Radiology services are very important, but for a rural hospital, it can be hard to keep large, expensive technology up to date. So, how do we manage cutting-edge radiology services in a rural environment? With regular review, long-term planning, and strong vendor relationships. I'm Rachel Lott. And I'm J.J. Hodshire. And this is Rural Health Rising. Welcome to Episode 96 of Rural Health Rising. I'm J.J. Hodshire, President and Chief Executive Officer of Hillsdale Hospital. And I'm Rachel Lott, Chief Communications Officer. Rachel, our guest today is a good friend of ours. Oh, yes. Advocate, a champion, a tireless worker. Um, and she's our resident radiology uh, an imaging guru uh, here at Hillsdale Hospital. And she is the driving force behind the state-of-the-art imaging technology that we are fortunate to have here at a rural hospital. That's right. We are talking with someone who leads our radiology team and is constantly finding ways to improve the care we provide. That's right. Our guest today is Jamie Caldwell, Imaging Manager here at Hillsdale Hospital. Welcome to Rural Health Rising, Jamie. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. So to start, Jamie, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and your work here at Hillsdale Hospital? Well, I've been with Hillsdale Hospital for about 22 years. Um, I started off as a student, but working here as a tech aide. Um, eventually finished my Must degree. Must have been in grade school. Yeah, it yes, was. It was right, in grade right. school. You were like yeah, five? Absolutely. You're like five. I'm 21 yeah. now. Oh, I so, thought okay. you were 22. Wow, so my you bad. were like super. Way to go. Yeah, good for you. It was great to have you here. The small child, but, uh, you know, running <laughs> It was legal. It right. was. Back then. Hey, yeah. you're a student as soon as you hit kindergarten. So you that can is be true. a student and that do is true. your work, right? See? That's true. Well, congrats. Thank you. <laughs> um, so I finished my degree in radiology and had the opportunity here. I learned CT and MRI. Um, eventually stepped into the imaging manager role and clinical PACS administrator, radiation safety supervisor, and enjoyed the team I work with here in radiology. Oh, Jamie, do you remember the first day I called you in to ask you to be the manager? I do. We were in uh, the former CEO's office, Z and I and you, and you were, I think, a little surprised that the offer was made and you stuttered and stumbled just a little bit. Uh, but from that moment, you have hit the ground running. And part of what we want to talk about today is how you've been so successful. Mm -hmm. And it wants to really serve as a model for hospitals that are listening to this podcast. You know, the only way at many times to trim some of the cost in is your capital equipment. And those expenditures for hospitals are enormous. So, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But on each program, we start with a why, and it, it just helps us to get to know you just a little bit better. And then our guests can know, all right, I know you, right? I've worked with you for all of these years. Um, but those listening do not know anything about you. So we always like to start with the why. What motivates you? What gets you up out of bed in the morning? I would say certainly the people. I'm The staff I work with and the mm -hmm. patients is definitely a driving force for me. But this field in general, I have a passion for. I'm a, I'm a nerd deep down inside. I have a passion. That's why we for, get along so well. I know. I am too. Think so. It's kind of hidden in yeah. there, but it's there. Yeah. Um, science and physics and the geometry. Hmm. We use that every day in, in imaging. Yeah. And I love that stuff. And so to incorporate that with the technology and then the services that we can provide for our patients and working with a great team, it's great. Yeah, absolutely. It's great to wake up and know that you're coming in to a team that supports you. They do. 
and uh, that they know you support them. And that creates, you know, why we have been designated as one of the, the top hospitals uh, recognized here, even in the nation, in the USA, for uh, workplaces. And that's a contribution that you give to us uh, each and every day because our staff share with us often that they love to come in and work under Jamie and the services that you provide here at this hospital. Very true story. So, all right, we talk about radiology services, right? And to the layperson listening, um, first of all, explain what that encompasses. And you've been here 22 years. How has that changed here at Hillsdale Hospital over the years? I'm excited to learn about some of the technological advances, mm-hmm. you know, over the last decade even. I'd say since you and I have been working together, I've been in this role for three years. Uh, you've been in this role for probably five as Almost five. Director. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure even in that span, things have changed. But first, talk to us about what does is, what is radiology encompass? What does the, the consumer need to know about that? And then um, how have you watched the transition for this department? Sure. So radiology or medical imaging, either term is used in this mm-hmm. field, um, encompasses MRI, CT, mammography, bone densitometry, also known as DEXA, nuclear medicine, general x-ray, ultrasound, and echocardiography. So all of those things are within uh, the radiology department. Mm-hmm. Which a lot of times people just refer to as x-ray. As x-ray, right. right. Mm-hmm. It's Even gen- though it's one of the modalities, I feel like that's what I often hear from, you know, the lay person. It's like, oh, you need to go down to x-ray, even though you might be getting a CT. Right. Yep. Everybody calls it that. Absolutely. So it's definitely evolved over the years. When I began here, we were developing film in a dark room. So it's definitely come a long way. Um, when we moved from that point of developing film in a dark room, a process um, was brought in with technology called CR imaging, which is computed radiography. Mm-hmm. So we had a, a detector that we would use for our imaging, but you still had to put it in a processor to see your images. Um, and now with DR or digital radiography, you take an image with our portable X-ray machine and you see it instantly on your screen. So, so just tell me out here. So when you took the image prior... Would, is that when they brought around these big, you know, like metal boxes and things of that nature? Is that what I'm thinking of? Yeah. Uh, and it went into that. We and ha- then you put that into a reader? Yes. Is that how it worked? That was the CR. That was after the film, after we developed wow. in the darkroom. Yeah. So that was a lot of work. It was a lot of work. Um, if you ask any of my technologists, they'll they'll remind you of the days when we would go upstairs to maybe the critical care unit and we did a portable chest X-ray. Mm-hmm. You'd bring your equipment and the film and everything back downstairs into the dark room to run it, process it, and go, oh, I got to repeat this. Oh, no. The days of Are that— Are you kidding me? No, there'd be a line or something in the way, maybe a you patient monitor. You'd have to go back up and do the whole thing over How again. How long does that process take if you don't have to start it over when it was— in those days? I mean, was that like 30 minutes to get up there, do it, get back and go through the whole process before you realize probably, that you have to redo it? Probably about 20 minutes. Oh my gosh. And then yep. you got to go do it all again. So it could be very time consuming. Wow. And now with the digital radiography, you take the image and it's right there on your screen. The physician waiting on the image can look at it right away with you. There's no wait time. Wow. That is amazing. That's so that cool. is amazing. In addition to that, we see a lot of AI being brought into radiology. Um, we have AI now with what our... What is AI for our listeners? Artificial intelligence. Okay. How does that work? It's the robots. It's the robots. It's the robots taking over. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it's basically the technology that applies mathematical equations to the imaging that you're taking 
and can improve the quality of the imaging. It can improve the speed of the imaging. Nice. It's amazing what the technology has done over the years and certainly going from the dark room. Do you even have a dark room? We still have a dark room, but it now encompasses a microwave and a refrigerator. Oh, wow. (laughs) Wow. So it's a light room. And we still refer to it as the dark room. Really? It will forever be the dark room. Just the break room. But it was. Still has a film bin in it with no film in it. Oh, I've been in there. Yeah, that is neat. I love that. So as a rural hospital, a lot of times people will just assume that rural hospitals are going to have outdated technology, especially when it comes to things like imaging because of how significant of an investment it is to keep that technology up to date. But you have managed to literally do the opposite. We have cutting edge technology here. So how far in advance, because you can't just be like, oh, you know what, I think we're going to need a new CT. Let me get that ordered. And it happens like the next day, right? So how far in advance are you planning and looking at technology and thinking through, we're going to need to update this in this many years and this in this many months and those kind of things? What, how far in advance are you looking at that? What is that process? The minute I install a piece of equipment. Wow. It, I This is the nerdy science side of me. I create a chart for all of our equipment. No. I do. It's I love it. Is it nerdy if I say I would totally love to look at that with you? That just sounds amazing. You can. You can. I love a good spreadsheet. The chart contains the vendor name, the name of the equipment, the serial number, when we installed it, what the expected life of that equipment is, how long service is expected for that equipment, um, and then an estimated date for replacement. Mm -hmm. And that allows me to budget for it in the future when we budget out for our capital purchases. So... You know, Jamie, you had a predecessor who did a very good job at um, vendor contracts and negotiation. I think you learned uh, under her a lot about, you know, how a vendor relationship should exist. Absolutely. Some managers and leaders, as you know, uh, vendors, they're either scared of the vendor, uh, they're intimidated by the the vendor. Um, And then there are some managers who want to just really be, you know, dig in and uh, you know, I'm not going to say beat up the vendor, but there is some mentality about that out there. Some like bad cop, bad cop. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think, you know, what I see out of you is you're fair, um, but you're firm. And so what I want to know is, you know, what is your process for working with vendors to obtain the great technology at such a good price? I mean, how do you start us with that process? Well, obviously, you have vendors that contact you frequently, and it it could be any different vendor for any product that Mm -hmm. I have in my department. So first, I think, is not being afraid to have a conversation with the vendor, even if you're you're not looking to purchase anything at this time. You don't have anything that needs to be replaced at this time. But it doesn't hurt to have that conversation about what technology is out there, what's new, what's occurring Mm -hmm. that you might not have. Um, Opening the door and having those conversations with those vendors is the first step and the most important part that does help build the relationship and there's a trust there. So I definitely think you should expect a lot from a vendor, um, including bringing you market data, bringing you examples of how this could help your community, Mm -hmm. um, showing us how we could save money if we made these changes. And I think being very upfront with your expectations and the fact that they should have done their research and know about your facility is mm. very important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then from there, once you've had that kind of initial conversation, what happens next? I mean, it's probably a little different with every vendor, but once you've kind of had that initial contact and have gotten to know them and their technology a little bit, they've gotten to know the hospital a little bit. If it turns out to be something, you know what, this is an investment we need to make, or they're calling about X technology that was on your spreadsheet and needs to be replaced soon. Where do you go from there? 
Well, I think it's important to look at multiple vendors, right? Like mm-hmm. everybody probably has a preferred vendor, whether it be pricing or service. But it should always be looked at multiple vendors because someone else could have similar technology or better technology at a better price. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to evaluate multiple vendors for a particular mm-hmm. product. Mm-hmm. Um, from there, when you gather quotes, it's important to start with everything you want yeah. in a quote, not necessarily everything you need. You put everything mm-hmm. on the table. And then from there, break it down to what you absolutely need. What does your community need? What new services can you provide to your community? Yeah. And once you have that in place, you work with the vendor on a price that's feasible. So let me ask you this. Is it ethical, moral, legal to work vendors against each other? So let me give an example. So you you have to purchase this equipment. You have three leading vendors who you typically like, GE, Simmons, whoever, uh, and you say, okay, I could get this from GE for X amount cheaper, a lot cheaper, or is it truly a bid process where lowest bid wins and then you take that bid and then you work them down even lower? Explain to me, like you get three bids in on your desk. How are you going to manage that? So lowest bid does not always win. Because there's a lot that's involved with medical equipment, including service. You have to know that the service is going to be there. In a rural community, having a piece of equipment that's down can be mission critical for us. Mm -hmm. So we need to know that we have good service support and the turnaround time to get equipment is back up. Mm. So if I know I have that with one vendor, but the other vendor is way cheaper, but there's no guarantee on service, I'm not going to go with the lowest price. I'm going to go who can pull through on the service and make sure that our patients are taken care of. Right, right. It's like the idea of just because something is affordable doesn't mean it has value to you. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And yeah. as far as pinning vendors against yeah. each other, yeah. n- not necessarily. I mean, is it, a, is it a technique that can be discussed? Well, it's it's not unfair to tell a vendor, hey, this vendor has the exact same product, but they're going to give me a better deal. That doesn't mean the vendor you're working with will cut their deal down, but it gives you an opportunity to right. decrease that So cost. let me ask you right. this reverse question. Have you ever worked with a vendor who had the highest bid, but you know it was the best quality. Absolutely. And so you're basing the decision not totally on that dollar. After you do that, after you accept, let's say, that original bid, is that when you go back and negotiate? No. No. No, I negotiate each one from the get-go from so the that beginning. when I bring it to um, oh. when I bring it to the table for product selection. Oh, it's ready. Have, it's ready. Okay. This is the final price. I've already worked with okay. every single vendor no and other... got all of them down okay. as far as I could. So you're right. bringing the final one to the table. Yes. And I, I would assume, generally speaking, uh, in your department, the equipment that's provided is going to be similar in nature that that vendors are bidding. Is that true? So technology-wise, or is there, a, is there a vast difference? No, there's not a vast difference. I mean, everybody always has something new they want to promote, yeah. right? Like something they're, they're mm-hmm. pushing. Um, and another vendor may have a similar similar product. But for the most part, once one vendor comes out with that, another vendor will try to at least match it, if not exceed it. Yeah. I'm Mm -hmm. curious, what have you witnessed the lifespan of technology over the years? Let's say when you started 22 years ago, we bought a new device. Is the life longer now with new technology or is it shorter because of new technology? Personally, I feel it's shorter. I agree. Mm. Because what happens is things become obsolete yeah. so and they're fast. no longer repairable. It's so fast. You mm-hmm. can't get parts for it anymore. And it forces you to replace the equipment. Yeah. Right. The technology advances so fast. If you're not you're right. watching it, you're, you're right. not you're not keeping up 
with competitors and you're not yeah. offering the same services to your patients that other facilities can. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is a challenge with, you know, the the explosion of technology in our industry. You know, oh, we yeah. know it's good. I mean, but on the same token, wow, it really is costly it is. to be able to say we have the state of the art anything. It's costly because what we have state of the art today, you well know in two years could be obsolete. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. We've, we've experienced that. Well, and speaking of, um, you know, keeping everything up to date and state of the art and how expensive it is, it would be a lot more expensive if we did not have this individual, Jamie Caldwell, with us at Hillsdale Hospital because she is a master negotiator. So, Jamie, I want your master class. What are you how what are some of your ways that you're able to negotiate and get such good deals? And what's one of the best deals you've gotten maybe percentage wise from the starting bid to what we ended up paying? Well, I think it depends on the product that you're buying as far as what negotiation um, tactics can be used. Mm -hmm. But I think always being upfront with the vendor of the expectations, um, what they're supplying or not supplying, and use that against them in comparison to other vendors is important. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's always important to shoot for the moon. Yeah. For example, if a piece of equipment is $100,000, well... I budgeted for 60000 so I guess I'm not going to be able to go with your product. Yeah. You yeah. can guarantee they'll they're come back come with a lower yeah. price. Yeah. In the, at the end of the day, their job is to sell equipment, and our job is to get it as cheap as possible yeah. and still mm-hmm. provide the service to our patients. We both have a job to do. Do right. you think there are times that vendors look at Hillsdale and go, they're little potatoes. They're just a little sack of potatoes. We're, you know, throw them crumbs. Now, they when they meet you, it's a different story. I get that. But do you think there is some notion of that when we have vendors come in? Absolutely. Yeah, I that, do believe that. That's a challenge, that. isn't it? It is. But the vendors who are persistent and know the quality we expect here at Hillsdale Hospital always come back. And it doesn't matter that we're a rural healthcare yeah. system. They know what our intentions are and what we want to provide for our patients. Mm-hmm. Jamie, mm-hmm. I received an email maybe a few years ago from a vendor that you had who came into the hospital. Do you remember that email? I do. And why don't you share a little bit about this? This talks about the dynamics mm-hmm. of our staff and how well, I mean, this This is a vendor who has implemented processes and equipment throughout hospitals across this country. Yes. And I got, and, and he or she, I can't remember who it was, sent an email to me unsolicited. You want to share with our listeners, this is what makes a difference in a rural community. Sure. Um, This particular vendor had came in and worked with our staff on a new piece of equipment um, and had trained the staff on how to use it. And she had reached out to me and told me that she wanted to speak with you and wanted to give you this information. She was completely blown away by the caring of our technologists, how much they cared about the quality, how much they cared about their our patients, and how much effort they put into learning the equipment from one end to the other to make sure they could use it to its full capacity. Mm-hmm. She said that she had been in a lot of facilities where there wasn't as much compassion and care for patients or care for quality, mm-hmm. and she just couldn't believe how well these technologists performed. Yeah, it's incredible. And it's wow. about the people, you know, which is so right. important. Right, right. What advice would you have for other rural hospitals and healthcare providers? They want to keep their imaging equipment up to date, but they're not sure how to build those vendor relationships so that they can get that equipment to prices that they can afford and to investments they can manage. Well, I think it's important to make sure that you have the conversations with the vendors and know about the product, but it's also important for you to know about the vendor. 
So mm-hmm. in order for you to have a good relationship, their door should be open to every aspect of their business, not just that sales rep. That sales rep does not represent an entire vendor. Right. The other portion of that is finance. If you have to finance the equipment, what does their finance team look like? What are their financing options? Mm. What about project implementation? Are they sharing with you the project manager and what that process will look like? And uh, service. What does service look like after installation? How Mm -hmm. are they going to take care of you? So making sure that you don't just build a relationship with the sales rep, but the entire team is important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I would imagine... They know how serious you are, and they know that you're not just going to take the first quote that they give you if you're doing that level of due diligence Absolutely. before you're going to move forward with them. Absolutely. So, so you know, Jamie, um, I've worked with you now for several years as it pertains to capital equipment purchases. And prior to your appointment as the manager of the unit uh, and department, we actually had negotiated a 64-slice CT scanner. Remember that? I do. And um, then I task you with 128, right? Yes. Then you had to negotiate a lot of other major, major pieces of equipment. Yes. So looking at all that you have done just in your short term of five years, uh, what has been the most difficult to implement? Um, maybe maybe it's not even the most costly, but it could be uh, here at the at Hillsdale Hospital in a rural hospital. What has been really the most significant challenge in in that implementation? I would say definitely the implementation of a CT scanner. Mm. Um, we had a CT scanner, but it was time to replace it. Um, as you may know, Michigan is a CON state, so that requires um, a lot of documentation and submission to the the state for your intention to replace the CT scanner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that in itself can be daunting. But as a rural hospital, we have one CT scanner. So then you're posed with the question, what do we do for our patients when we're deinstalling this equipment and bringing in new equipment? So coordinating a mobile CT to come in. And and that in itself changes so much for our patients, the patient Mm -hmm. comfort, the workflow for the technologist. There was a lot of moving pieces with that equipment replacement, Um, a lot of people that had to be involved to help with that. Mm -hmm. And there was some construction involved with that too, right? I mean, it's not like you just wheel something out and wheel something else well, I think in. We had to I mean, take it's a, a complicated, a complicated process. Oh, we did it this time. No, that was for MRI. MRI. Years oh, ago. yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, but we did remodel the room and that was extensive. That's so true. for deinstall, remodel the room and reinstall new equipment was about nine weeks. Mm-hmm. Nine weeks. Nine weeks mm-hmm. that we were on a mobile unit. So Jamie, some of this equipment can be millions of dollars, right? Absolutely. And that can have a significant impact on a small hospital. Right. It could impact their days of cash on hand dropping down to unhealthy days. So it's very important how we negotiate as a hospital. And I want to congratulate and thank you for that. And before we close today, um, I do want to ask you a few questions about recruitment and retention because mm-hmm. what's happening in your industry? I mean, is it hard to find uh techs who want to work in rural or is it just mm-hmm. is there a shortage in America it doesn't matter what size the hospital is if you could answer that and then I do want to talk a little bit about nuclear if I could sure. just in terms of what that's looking like for the country but start with the recruitment and retention uh, efforts I know that we've got a pretty strong bench but they've been here a while and you're gonna lose them eventually yeah so what's that looking like yeah the the Time frame in my department for the technologists that have worked here ranges anywhere from six months to 
35 years. That's mm-hmm. incredible. And the majority of my staff are 10 year plus employees, which I'm absolutely thankful to have them. Yeah. Um, they definitely help with onboarding uh, new employees. But we are facing the same issue that nursing is nationwide. Um, a lot of travel yeah. technologists are being used um, mm-hmm. across the nation. Yeah. Um, it is a problem as far as getting students through programs and mm-hmm. out into the workforce. Can you talk about the education involved? Because yeah, I think what is it? I think the kind of education that you have to have to work in radiology is much more significant than people might assume. Absolutely. So the degree for radiology to be a, a radiographer or general x-ray tech, as some would say, it's a two-year degree. It's an associate's in applied science, the same as nursing. Mm-hmm. It's just in a, a different field. Instead right. of nursing, it's in radiography. Um, there are a lot of clinical hours that are involved with the radiology program that they're required to complete throughout their program. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have students at Hillsdale Hospital from a local college. Um, so that's that's great. It's an opportunity for us to gain new employees and an opportunity right. for those students to you know, see if we're worthy of being an employer. But it is definitely an issue. We are seeing more staff who graduate who don't want to work nights, who don't want to work weekends. And right. the problem is this is healthcare. You signed up for healthcare and it's 24-7. Right. And there are so many opportunities out there that it's difficult to fill off shifts and weekends and things like that. Right, right. So looking at, I mean, this is, we... In the past, we have built relationships. You had a relationship, I believe, with Baker and maybe maybe some other colleges. I'm not sure. That, I know we've had relationships. But um, regardless, the, the pool is smaller, right? Absolutely. Of those. And then the demand through attrition, retirement, or just the great resignation uh, is wider. And so the recruitment efforts usually involve bonuses, good schedules, no call. How do you do that in a rural hospital? You don't. You don't. You don't. Yeah. Um, call is always a requirement for almost every modality. Mm-hmm. And, well, good schedules come with time. It's one of those things right. that you just— you... I would think you kind of have to pay your dues with yes. night shifts and weekends, and then eventually you get into the position where you can have a better schedule. Right. And I am, as a manager, never opposed to listening to an employee's requests and what would be ideal for a shift and try to find a happy medium for everybody— Mm-hmm. to make it work. Mm-hmm. But there's always going to be something about your schedule that you might not like. That you right. might not like it. But that's rule health. Right. Absolutely. You know, you're you're on call 24-7. Absolutely. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about nuclear. So I'm hearing a lot of small rural hospitals are getting out of nuclear medicine. And I believe that it's difficult to recruit a technician for nuclear, correct? It is very difficult. Um, uh, I believe you are one, correct? No, you I am not okay. nuclear. All right. But you have had one here before? Um, we have two technologists who perform nuclear, okay. um, grandfathered in from a prior training program. But in the future, should they leave, we would need a nuclear technologist. Can you explain what that, why we would need nuclear here? Um, so nuclear medicine is is a radioactive isotope that's injected into the body, and then we collect pictures from the the radiation basically emitting from the patient. From that's how they're created. Nuclear medicine can be used for um, gallbladder scans. We use it for heart scans most frequently here. Mm-hmm. Um, bone scans for patients that are evaluating for fractures or cancer. Those are our primary exams that we do, um, and. A lot of those heart scans are performed in conjunction with testing from the cardiologist, so they're very mm-hmm. important for evaluation of patients. It would be detrimental to not have that service here, 
But one of the problems we're facing is currently there is only one school in the state of Michigan that even has a nuclear oh, medicine that's program. The issue. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And is that happening across the country at states? They're just limiting they just that? There's not a lot of schools that offer it. So, so. so tell me what, what happens if we don't offer it? What happens to rural hospitals if we do not offer this technology? Um, patients would have to go elsewhere. Even inpatients in ER would have to be transferred out instead of having those services oh, wow. here at Hillsdale. And, and we already have a transport issue. Just because of issue. a specific type of scan that they yes. get done. Yeah. Yes, wow. if they felt it was necessary. I mean, it's not unheard of to transfer to another facility to have a certain type of imaging and transfer them back. Yeah. But as you mentioned, transferring patients is a, is a big issue that we're dealing with right mm-hmm. now, the transport. Significant issue. What is your absolute best deal that you have negotiated or that you're most proud of? I'm going to put you on the spot because At I work. know how good you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. At work. Um, you want the spe- specific you don't have piece to of say, equipment or? Maybe you can just say like what was the differential between what you started with and what you ended up with in terms of the cost. If you don't want to get too specific with equipment. So I will say it was a it was a bundled deal that we did. We actually purchased three different pieces of equipment at once, oh. which was a huge money saver. Um, overall, I would say the discount was probably about 35% from what the original cost was. Wow. But it also included negotiation of extended service contract under warranty. Oh. So that saved us another six months of, of service fees. Wow. So, and when we're talking about this kind of equipment... It's ranging anywhere from what to what in terms of how expensive this type of equipment can be. I mean, general x-ray or a portable x-ray. I mean, you could be at $100,000, but a new MRI, you're looking at $1.6 million. Wow. It could be anywhere. So 35% is uh, pretty important when you're talking about big numbers like that. Absolutely. Now, do you find that, uh, so let's talk about the rural hospital who's really struggling for cash, right? I mean, they have less than 100 days cash on hand. But they need the technology because if they don't have the technology, they can't advertise, come to us. Uh, Physicians don't want to use it, right? We hear that often in various disciplines. You don't have the right technology. We hear that throughout the industry. Uh, The question, you know, that I pose to you is vendors offer all kinds of financing deals, don't they? They sure do. Now, you know, my my prerogative and my philosophy is if we have cash, we're going to buy it. I do not like long-term leases. I just don't like it. But... There's been cases we've had to do that in order to preserve cash. So what do those type of arrangements look like? Cash versus finance. Is there a better deal? Do they ask you up front, are you paying cash or is this going to be finance? And typically, do you find that the vendor is the one financing or a third party? Well, they they never ask you that up front. They just put put together the quote that's for the equipment that you want. Um, But they certainly display the options. And it could be, as you mentioned, cash. It could be a capital lease or an operational lease. the one thing, as you mentioned, with leases, if it's an operational lease, you could pay and pay and pay on it and never own it. And then if you decide you want to keep the piece of equipment, you still have to buy it out at the end of the lease. And yeah. you could have possibly paid for the entire piece of equipment once or twice over at that point. Wow. Yeah. So that's definitely something that we try to avoid. Um, I that w- would be infuriating to me. <laughs> it, it is. It, it, and it's happened from past decisions made here at the hospital. Right, but right. Um, working with our CFO here, he has helped to make some really good decisions and important buys. And I, I really appreciate his his buy-in and his mm-hmm. input when this occurs. Well, Jamie, I appreciate you. And I appreciate the hard work that you give every day 
to our patients, number one. I think that's so critical. Uh, you're advocating for them. You're advocating for our physicians to administration about the need for technology, state of the art, and then for the ease of your department. And truly, when you talk about process improvement, it's really around technology and doing your job more efficient, better, uh, usually comes with technology increases. So congratulations to you for negotiating some of the best contracts we Mm -hmm. have witnessed here for purchases and for doing such a great job uh, in your department. We are very proud of the hard work of you and your team, and I want to thank you uh, for leading that. Thank you. I appreciate it. And before we close, we love to do a fun segment. Uh, And we do this with each of our guests. We want to know, what is your most unique rule experience or one of your favorite memories that is unique to rural life? You've already shared, you grew up rural, right? In the cornfields of Reading, Michigan, right? And uh, to clarify, I did not grow up in a cornfield, but okay, you didn't? near the cornfield. <laughs> you grew up. I, okay, I thought the house was literally I'm not like children surrounded. of the corn. You're not? Okay, <laughs> no. all right. See that? I'm going to take that <laughs> Thank off my list because I had you down as that. Okay, so you were, you were raised, you know, in a community of, of farmers, and your dad's a farmer, actually. I believe still is. Yes. Yeah. And uh, your brother even built a house near the farm, right? I mean, y'all so just can't I. get away. You did too. So you know what rule is. Give me an experience that is unique to rural life. Uh, this one is relevant to employment here at Hillsdale oh, Hospital right. that I, for me, at least an experience that I had. Mm-hmm. How many people can say they've rode their snowmobile to work? Probably up north. <laughs> I don't know. Escanaba. I mean, down here, for me, I think that's a pretty rural down experience. Down here, that's a pretty yeah. rural experience. Yeah, yeah. I, I, can't rem- I can't imagine working at a, a large inner city facility and and. Driving yeah. your snowmobile to work, right? Yeah. I have so. a better one. I rode in a buggy once to Camden, Michigan to get groceries. Hey, <laughs> that's what happens when you live the rural life, right? Absolutely. My parents, or my mom, actually, her family lived with the Amish for a short time See? when their house burned down. So, yeah. wow. Those not familiar, this is a group in our community. This is Amish country around yeah, here. Yeah, who do not have electricity and do not have vehicles, so they have horse and buggy. Still. Mm-hmm. to the state. Well, Jamie, again, it's a pleasure having you on Rural Health Rising today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Next time on Rural Health Rising, we'll have another great conversation with another great guest, so be sure to tune in. And with that, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and tell others why they should listen too. Your feedback helps more listeners find Rural Health Rising. And you can now find us on Twitter. I'm at Hillsdale CEO JJ. Rachel is at Rural Health Rach. And you can also follow the podcast at Rural Health Pod. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay strong. Rural Health Rising is a production of Hillsdale Hospital in Hillsdale, Michigan, and a proud member of the Health Podcast Network. Hosted by J.J. Hodshire and Rachel Lott. Audio engineering and original music by Kenji Ulmer. Special thanks to today's guest, Jamie Caldwell, Medical Imaging Manager at Hillsdale Hospital. For more episodes, interviews, and more information, visit RuralHealthRising.com.